this morning I'd like to uh, encourage uh, those who have lost uh, family members. And I don't, I don't really, I understand the phrase, but I really don't like to say it. Uh, we've lost nobody who knows Jesus, right? Heaven's gained, right? That's not a loss when heaven gains. But it's a, it's a, it's a challenge for us because we do life differently. You know, we don't have those whom we could call on the phone or, or spend the day with. Uh, we don't have that. But we do uh, have the presence of the Lord to help us, to encourage us, and um, we have that hope in Christ. So we extend our, our, our uh, condolences and our, our love to uh, uh, Kevin as his father had passed away. And uh, when we do life together with those uh, who have raised us, uh, it's always a wonderful experience. And I know you loved your father, and you still do, right? Uh, I don't even like the word deceased because that implies you don't exist anymore. And we know that's not true, right? We've ceased here, but we are not, we, we really not, we don't believe that you just go to nothing and also, we offer our condolences to uh, Missy Plank and Jason and to their children as they have uh, seen their dear mom and grandma, Peggy Kemper, go to be with Jesus. And uh, it's always uh, heaven's gain uh, when our, our, our beloved go on, and yet uh, we pray for God's continued comfort and, and blessing on, on you all. We, we love you guys. Uh, love you, Kevin, too, and, and Remy, and all of you, and, uh, and your family. We're, our prayers are with your children and, uh, and the grandchildren. So uh, this morning, I'd like to uh, <clears throat> share a little bit with you, and I have a couple of texts that I wanted to share from Exodus chapter 28, and it's good to see. Um, um, who am I seeing here today, Rob? What? Deb, it's good to have you with this young lady sitting between mom and dad, right? Is that to keep them in line? Yeah, good. I didn't think it would be you. I was more thinking of the guy on the end. And, uh, and uh, <clears throat> Roger and Ellen, good to see you today. And Ellen, uh, the Lord is doing a work there, and we believe that. And God's going to finish what he starts. Amen. And uh, who else did you say, Roger? Did you? Oh, Tom. Tom, it's good to see you. Welcome today. It's always a great pleasure. You know, I'm going to ask you a favor, and this is being recorded, so I probably shouldn't have asked while recorded, but for the sake of our live stream, if, if, if in the future you would feel led to move up and fill this empty cavernous area in the middle here, it would help a little bit. Would you, would you be willing to pray about that till next week and then and say, Lord, I've come to a place where I'm surrendering all. I'll move up to a little closer range. Because when we, when, we, when we do the videos, sometimes it appears there's no one in church and I'm talking to myself. <laughs> and uh, so if you, if you could do that, kind of gravitate toward the front because, you know, we, we, we want people to know and to see the beautiful... Uh, congregation of Bethel, and that happens when they know there's somebody here. And uh, we uh, today are, are blessed. I, we have number four with us. He's four, right? Uh, four. Reese uh, is with us. Reese, uh, what's his middle name, Ron? At his, William. See, you didn't know either. But uh, Reese William, 
Mace, and so it's great to have Reese, right? Hi, Reese. Torment Grandma. And uh, anyhow, Exodus chapter 28, uh, with the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a uh, signet, you uh, shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them in settings of gold, and you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. And so Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. And John chapter 12, verse 24, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Father, we thank you for your word. We know it's anointed. And Lord, let us, uh, Lord, be joined under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we might speak and hear what you desire for us to hear. And Lord, we invite its powerful influence into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we celebrate Memorial Day, and uh, it's a day of, it's, uh, it's a day that includes somber remembrance of those who have given their lives for uh, the benefit of all of us who enjoy the freedoms and the liberties uh, that we enjoy here in the United States of America. And we also uh, uh, celebrate the advancements that have been made uh, through, made and kept uh, through their heroic efforts. And you know, seldom do people who are heroic in spirit uh, desire to be identified as a hero, but uh, I think it's important that the uh, generation that's coming up know that there are heroes, that there are people who step out when others retreat, uh, that there are those who run in when others run out. And uh, we know that as much as death has silenced the voices of those who have given their lives uh, to secure and to preserve a quality of life afforded uh, to those of us who live today, uh, their sacrifice continues to speak each and every day. You know, and so as we've gathered, just a little preface, most of us uh, are familiar with Memorial Day, but it's good for us to tell our children what Memorial Day is about. Uh, because sometimes these things come and they go, and uh, there is little known or understood in the lives of our younger people because they just see picnics, and that's great, and they see all the festivities that take place. But, you know, it's important for them to know that all of the things that they are um, blessed to have and can expect in the future are provided through the advancements that have been secured through the sacrifice of life and the shedding of blood. Memorial Day is an official holiday in most of the United States or throughout the United States. It was observed on uh, May 30th until 1971 when federal employees, and when for the sake of uh, federal employees, the uh, date was changed to the last Monday in May. Uh, the custom of placing flowers on the graves of the war uh, dead began on May the 5th, 1886 in Waterloo, New York. And Waterloo has been recognized uh, by Congress as the official birthplace of Memorial Day. In 1868, General John A. Logan, then president of the Grand Army of the Republic, declared that uh, May 30th would be a day to decorate with flowers the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion. 
After World War I, the day was set aside to honor all of, uh, all of those who had, uh, been, uh, who had perished in World War I, and the custom was extended to pay homage uh, to all of the deceased of those relatives and friends, both military and civilian. Uh, the most common, uh, the most solemn ceremony conducted on Memorial Day, as we have seen time and time again, is the placing of a wreath at the tomb of the unknown uh, soldiers located in Arlington Cemetery. And I'm going to ask if we could just pause for a moment and allow uh, ourselves to uh, think of, about the things that have been secured for us, the freedoms and the, and the great joy that comes through being part of this and uh, being expressing our gratitude to the Lord for those who came and gave all. Amen. Well, today as we, we've come here, um, I'd like to think with you for a few moments about uh, the text that we've shared with you. And we see the preparation of the uh, high priest uh, garments or the priestly garments there. And uh, we talked about this ephod that would be uh, made. And, uh, you know, that comes uh, from Hebrew, from a word that simply means a simple sleeveless a linen garment that reached to the ankles, usually associated with religious activities or service of the, of the priest. The high priest ephod and girdle were made of white linen, beautifully embroidered with blue and purple and scarlet threads. The ephod was of two pieces, front and back, held together on each shoulder by a jeweled golden clasp and at the waist by uh, the beautiful girdle. The uh, shoulder stones on each uh, shoulder piece of the ephod uh, contained a precious stone. Uh, Six names were written on each of the stones, together naming the 12 tribes of Israel. Every time the high priest went before God at the the golden incense altar, the names of all the people of God were carried upon his shoulders." The uh, significant things about this ephod was not the fabric or the colors. It was the names of the six tribes of Israel, which were engraved and upon each onyx stone on the shoulder clasp, according to their birth order. Whenever the high priest wore his special robes, he carried again the people upon uh, his shoulders before the Lord. So as we, we look at this, this picture here, you know, the, the priest was given the task of representing the greater interest of the nation, of the people of God, and he carried those, uh, those names upon his shoulders, that the names of those 12 tribe, uh, tribesmen that, uh, for whom the people were identified with from the nation of Israel. And in this sacred service, he, was, he brought before the Lord a representation into that godly, solemn, divine place, the names of all the people. And as we consider that scripture today, there was one who had been instructed to engrave and to shape these, these pieces that would be worn by the high priest, and there was one who was called upon to wear it, and that would have been the high priest. 
So as we think about this this morning, you know, it's important for all of us to keep in mind that God wants us to live as a nation that is joined together, fitly and rightly joined together. And God's ultimate desire for this nation would be that it would be a righteous nation, joined together in faith and fellowship in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know we are a diverse people of many different backgrounds, but uh, when Jesus came and he gave his life for the redemption of mankind, he gave his life as a ransom for all. For every nationality, every people group upon the planet, for those who lived during his time and those who would live into this day and beyond, the blood of Christ reaches out with redemption. And so as we think about the priest who came and he carried upon himself the, the representation of the people of Israel, we see that there are people who are called to act on behalf of a greater cause, a greater good. And I think about uh, all of those who have given their lives. They carried into battle a representation of the United States of America in this case. They came, they went into battle, and they took that representation. They made a commitment to represent this nation. And unlike the high priest, unlike Aaron and those who would follow other than Jesus Christ, you know, these, many of these that we celebrate today were people who didn't know but understood that the cost could be supreme. That they may go into battle and they might represent the, this nation and carry forward that representation and they might do so at the expense of their own lives. And many have. And so it's hard for us today to comprehend uh, the, the significance of that. You know, we live in a day, uh, and I think, anyhow, and this is just my view, uh, a day where perhaps we are not as grateful as we should be. And I can say that for me. But as a nation, we, we don't have and carry the gratitude that perhaps we should. And part of that is the fact that a lot of our kids today simply don't know anything about it. They're not being taught anything. They're much about the, the history of this nation. And, and, and I'm not saying all, but thank God for those who have a, a, you know, a conscience that says, I must teach them about God and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the nation that we live in. And this is not intended to be a nationalistic message that sets this nation in, in, in opposition of every other nation. It's just simply, as we live in this country... This is our primary mission field. This is where we've been planted. And so we talk about God and this nation because it is our nation. that It is our call to take this gospel to all people, whether no matter the ethnicity or the, no matter the, the skin color or the language spoken. You know, this, this gospel is every man's gospel. This, is, this gospel is every woman's gospel. This gospel is given, this salvation is offered and afforded to every child. And if we truly believe that, then we want them to know about it so they can receive it. The scripture says, how shall they call on him of whom they've not heard? Think about that. How shall those whom we often pray for in this country know 
if they've never heard of Christ, if they've never heard. And likewise, on this Memorial Day weekend, how will our young folks really know anything about the significance of this weekend if we, in some form or fashion, aren't communicating that to them? You know, I believe it's our responsibility as parents and grandparents uh, to teach our children to be grateful. You can't force them to be grateful, but you can set an example for them and teach them how important it is to be grateful. Amen? Because if they're not grateful, then we, do, then we take upon ourselves the other thing that I think prevails in our country and around the world today, or especially here, is a sense of entitlement. You know, a sense of entitlement that really um, doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it, if you're not grateful and you have a spirit of entitlement and you join those two together, that doesn't, that doesn't make for a very pretty picture. And it's up to us as the parents and grandparents and the mentors in the church, the body of Christ, to teach, our, our teach the Word of God and to teach about our history as a nation. You know, it's our responsibility to instill this information so at some point they can make their own decisions as to whether or not they're going to do that, but at least we've provided them with a a foundation to, to, to build on. And so as the high priest would go and he would represent the 12 tribes and he would carry into the presence of God, uh, the very presence of God, a representation on behalf of the people, you know, Jesus did the same. Jesus came as the great high priest who would, who would give all. And he, I believe that Jesus carried upon his shoulders as he hung upon the cross Every single person who would ever live. That he died for the whole world. How many know that? The the blood of Christ does not retreat in the face of opposition. That the blood of Christ does not know any uh, border that it will not cross. There's nothing that the blood of Christ will will retreat in the face of. and, And as it is true... If that is true, then we as the messengers of Christ should not retreat either. We should not stop because of the distinctions and the differences that exist among all of the people of this great country. How many know that everybody should hear the gospel? Every person should be exposed to the love of Jesus. Every single person should be exposed to the love of Christ. And how does that happen? Through us, the body of Christ, that we are exposing others to the love of God. You know, it is so important to to keep in mind that what Paul said to Timothy when he said, and that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that phrase? He says, from childhood. And the implication there is that there were those in his life who taught him things that would become the the foundation for how he would live. You know, and when you think about what Paul is saying to Timothy in that case, it really is an endearing statement to the influence of godly people in Timothy's life. When we 
think about what, is, what we are called to do, nothing is born of convenience. I am convinced more now than ever that ministry is not born of convenience. You know, we would like for it to be ordered and structured, but how many know, Kevin, that it's not? When you look at the needs of people in the church and, and you see the things that come from day to day, they don't come in any real discernible order. They just come. And it is so important for us as Christians to know that even when it's outside the purview of our plans that God has called us to engage the situation, either prayerfully or verbally or physically in some way. And when I say prayerfully, that's not the most minimal of, uh, of involvement, level of involvement, because all the other involvements don't work if there isn't that level of involvement. Amen? We've got to pray. We need to be praying over this nation and over our neighborhoods and our families and be deliberate, knowing that God has called us to step in as advocates for those who don't know Christ, to step in as intercessors for those who don't know Jesus, to step in as that willing witness that others would know him. You know, Samuel Adams, an American patriot and, uh, and politician and other things, uh, he says, if you love wealth greater than liberty, the tranquility of servitude greater than the animating contest for freedom, he said, go home from us in peace. We seek not your counsel nor your arms. We crouch, uh, crouch down and lick the hand that feeds you. May your chains set lightly upon you and may, your, may posterity forget that you were our countrymen. That's a pretty straightforward message. When the call is given to step forward on behalf of liberty and freedom, you know, there are things that, how many here know that, you know, as much as we delight in physical freedom, we, 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 we really have to be about the freedom that Jesus secures for all men. I mean, how many of you here are free? I mean, you are free. You've got a freedom in your, in your mind and in your spirit and in your, in your view of the future. You're not bound up by the past. You're not chained to it, right? How many have been set free from the bondages of the, of the life you lived before Jesus? We don't live this life anymore. That life is behind us. And it's beneath the blood of Christ. I believe that the weight of the blood is so heavy upon our past that God doesn't want us to try to lift it and to resurrect it from beneath it. And so as we represent this, this gospel, we've got to love Jesus with all our hearts or we're not gonna, we're, we are not going to be the salt of the earth. If we don't have that love relationship and that commitment and we don't love our neighbors as ourselves and we don't love God first and foremost and our neighbors as ourselves, we're not going to represent this gospel well. Because God wants the world to know that they are loved. The world is condemned in its sin apart from Christ and we all were condemned in our sin apart from Christ. But how many understand that the love of God should compel us to, to move, be, move through that fact into the mission field and to share Jesus with people who aren't very nice. They're not, they're sometimes uh, they may be very mean. <laughs> 
How many know Jesus isn't conquered by mean? And he's not conquered by people who are, who are, are living a life a million miles an hour outside the, the, of Christ. Jesus can never be outrun. Doesn't matter if they travel a million miles an hour, the blood of Christ travels faster. And we as the church are the representatives who are to pray for this nation. We are to represent this nation before God. We are to represent our communities, our, our neighbors. I mean, I'm talking those physical neighbors that we have as well. How many of you would be surprised if I told you that, that the Lord died even for your neighbor? Neighbors can be a blessing and they can be a challenge. <laughs> Was that for the first or the second? <laughs> Just kidding. No, I'm kidding you. I mean, we've experienced a little of both, but, you know, we, we really have prayed that God will help us to represent him well. Every generation needs to be reminded of our heritage. Every generation needs to be reminded, you know, as a nation. You know, there are a lot of things in our nation that have happened over the course of time that aren't, that aren't, that aren't always the, the most... Uh, appealing, virtuous, glamorous. We've had a lot of things during the course, but there has been that, that, that knowledge of God that has been bedrock in the founding and advancement of this nation. Because I believe that it advances in spite of the faults of any people. And how many know we're not a faultless nation? But in Christ, we can be a holy nation. And we can live according to a better standard than the standard that we would live without Jesus. So I'm not here today to really get much into the political end of this. I'm just simply saying as a, as a nation, I'm claiming America for God. I'm claiming America to come under the blood of Christ. I'm claiming for them to, to be overwhelmed by the love of a redeeming Savior who came to this earth, not just to save the, the few that are in church here today, but to save the people who are far beyond the shadow of the steeple of this church. There, you know, when we think about this, uh, any place where God is included and there is a record of faith, there, there is the essential need for that to be conveyed and passed on to the next generation to be spoken into the lives of those who are coming up. We don't need a revisionist record. We don't need to craft uh, to suit any political ambition or social agenda. You know, people often say, well, you know, who do you tell people to vote for? And you know, here's what I will tell people time and time again. is as a believer, you vote your values. You vote your values. How many know there's crooked in each in every affiliation, in any, any, organ, any group. You know, let's not kid ourselves about that. But we vote our values. And when you vote your values as a believer, that will help you to align with the direction that you should take. Amen? People say, well, your faith's not that important. It doesn't cover all of that. i got to tell you, as a, as, a, as a child of God and as a representative of this gospel, that gospel is everything for me. I don't have a job if I don't have a gospel. You don't want a preacher that doesn't have a gospel, do you? I mean, we're not called to come in here and to be merely social activists. We're here to, be, we're to come here to proclaim Christ to the nations. 
Amen? I'm not saying, there, there are certain things that are very important. Jesus said that the, the, that the temple would be called a house of prayer. He didn't say that it would be called anyone else's building or any, or he didn't cite it for being of any other purpose, but it was cited in alignment with his father. And so everything that we do here today really has to point to the Lord. You know, when we think about the word of God, the word of God calls us to a perspective when considering our past. You know, as a Christian, I do look at my history. And, you know, when there are certain things that, when there are things that have godly influence, it excites your hearts. When there's, a, it, when there's godliness and righteousness, as the Bible say, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That's the long and the short of it right there. You know, and the world needs to know that there is, uh, there is a God in heaven who, who lived on earth and who intercedes for the church and who empowers the church to bring a message that says that he will save you. He will save you if you turn to him. And I'm unapologetically monotheistic. I don't have mono, but I have monotheism. You know what that means? I have one God. Not many, not polytheism, but I love, we got to love those who are polytheistic. Come on, there should be a big amen even on that one. We got to love all people. You know, and we got to live in such a way that they see how great Jesus is that all the other ones start falling away. The principles of this kingdom help us to identify those who have shown us incarnations belonging to the greater rules of faith and conduct. You know, the, the people who have died, are, are many of them are nameless to us. They're nameless. There's thousands and thousands of people who have died for this nation, who have given their lives. And we'll never know 99.99999% of them but we must always carry a profound gratitude for people that we'll never meet because we look at the fruit of what has been provided for we and our children to enjoy, and then we live in that gratitude. And it's not just directed at one person or two, but it's always becoming of the faith to live a grateful life. How many know uh, complaining Christians don't make good witnesses? Whiners. <laughs> Anybody else ever whine? I can whine sometimes with the best of them. But, you know, if we're going to live this life and represent the kingdom of God, and God has placed upon us a, a mandate that we should be the ambassadors of this kingdom, and we represent it, and we stand in intercession on behalf of it, and we go out into the highways and all of those places about and share the love of Jesus Christians carry the memory of the stalwarts of the Christian faith uh, upon their shoulders each and every day as we serve the Lord. Heroes should be remembered. Those who have died on battlefields or those who have died as martyrs to the faith, and above all, those who have died, uh, uh, who, uh, Jesus Christ who has died for all men. He was that colonel that fell to the ground 
And in death produces life that comes forward. And we are here as a, as a result of the death of Christ today. We have many freedoms that are given to us today. And they are always in danger when we become indifferent. How many know we can't be indifferent toward the slide into, into the things that are not godly and things that are not in, for the wholesome benefit of the whole? We've got to stay, we, got, we need representatives of Christ in, in the political world. We need representatives of Christ in the doctor's office. We need representatives of, the, of Christ in the schools who are carrying upon their shoulders the representation of Christ, and they do so willingly. They see themselves as being part of a royal priesthood, taking forth and showing the goodness of God that calls us out of darkness. How many of you will acknowledge you were living in darkness before Jesus came into your heart? Because whether we acknowledge that or not, that's that's the scriptural fact. That we were once dead in our trespass and sin. And he has raised us up to walk in this new life. And so we represent something different today. Before Jesus, man tends to represent his own interest. Self-preserving. You know, everything is about preserving me and mine and what I have. But when we come to Christ, we lay that down at the foot of Christ and we take upon ourselves a calling and an anointing that represents the kingdom and its eternal purposes. And we live for things that even extend far beyond our immediate present. Shapers respond to the menu or the memo. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. A hero carries upon his shoulders the memory of other heroes. And someone who's truly a hero doesn't gloat nor glorify himself or herself, but recognizes that it is a privilege to serve and to give. Memorials call, out, call, us, call us to attention, and uh, we carry a sense of duty and a calling in the ongoing plan of God as Christians. We live connected to our godly heritage, and you say, I didn't have a godly heritage. Well, I want to encourage you to begin one. Come on, church. We've got to stop this. Blaming the lack of God's influence in our earlier life for the way we live today, we need to walk in fellowship with Christ, we need to have relationship with the Lord. And that knowledge, that's like people say, hey, I, we're going to pray. And now, you may get upset at me, and I don't want you to, but if you do, uh, God forgive them in advance. No, I'm just kidding. But you have to understand something. Um, I'm a believer that when I got saved, Jesus set me free from all the encroachments doesn't mean that the devil's not going to persuade, try to persuade me as a liar that I still am bound up by what Jesus set me free from. Come on, church. The devil is a persuasive liar, and the big battle for people is often in the mind where we're still living in the past, living under the weight of our canceled sin, and God wants us to live our lives in light and in freedom in the joy of who we are now rather than in the regret of what we've been. 
So when I, when, I, when I share that with my children, that's powerful. We share with them our history as a nation, how there have been great champions to, uh, of freedom and liberty and those who have died and given all. But they need to know about Jesus. And they need to know that you were once bound and now you are free. You know, sometimes kids don't see that part of this. They see their mom and dad as always having been Christians, and they don't understand that there was a definite time and place in their lives where they surrendered their their sin and their lives of iniquity, their fallen nature, and they accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord. You say, my kids never saw me without Jesus. Well, there was a day where you were without Jesus, right? And Jesus saves us, and they need to know that. Your kids will not run away from God because they find out that you weren't always perfect. Amen? You can say that's okay because they know I'm not perfect yet. But I walk in the provisions of grace without abusing it, without living a sloppy life. I live in the freedom and the joy that grace affords to me today, that I've been set free from all that. And my kids need to know that I've been set free from the tyranny of sin. And the biggest hero of all is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's cool. Church bells are ringing. Imagine that in church. Uh, Joseph, on the other hand, maintained his loyalty to God and to Potiphar. Now think about this. There are those who have failed. There, you know, I'm going to close soon, so hold on. Our heritage is not made up of perfect men. I've seen you smiling. You don't think I'm serious, do you? Our heritage is not made up of perfect men and women. Shapers are not perfect. A lot of times people start pointing out what individuals did. You know something, God advances his plan when there are godly people, um, even among godless people. And our heritage is not made up of perfect men. Shapers are not perfect. They may be conflicted. David was heroic on the battlefield and corrupted on the roof and in the bedroom. That's a fact. And I, you know, the, the thing that gives me much hope when I look at David's life, and you know, don't ever use that as a license to go out and to do likewise, because, you know, I don't use it. We can't use someone else's failure to go out and repeat what they've done. God wants us to learn from their failure how to live righteously. Heroes inspire us with success, and they teach us as much as uh, 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 they teach us as much about advancement and success through their failures as they do through their successes at times. Psalm 51, David's prayer of repentance. You see, that gives me hope when I look at David. Psalm 51. All right, I'm going to ask Tammy if she'd come. A hero, and just stay dialed in here, even if there's movement, just stay, stay dialed in. i got to finish this. Hero, you know, you say you don't have to. Yes, I do. Hero is somebody who commits an act of remarkable bravery or who has shown an admirable quality such as great courage and strength of character. I got a little acrostic for you, so if you don't remember the rest, that's okay. Well, it's not okay, but uh, if you don't remember the rest, you have an acrostic here. H. We're going to say H. It could stand for anything, but in this sermon, it stands for humility. Humility is an essential ingredient for heroism. 
Second Chronicles chapter 34, there was a young man named Josiah who became king when he was eight years of age. And 18 years later, I guess if you do the math, he'd be 26. It says, but as for the king of Judah, because your heart was tender and, not, and you humbled yourself before God, when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants and you humbled yourself before me, I have heard you, says the Lord. That gives me hope today. When we bring repentance before the Lord and humility rather than pride, God will work through those prayers to bring redemption to your neighborhood, to your community, to the nation. Everyone has the he is everyone has the capacity for heroism. The Bible says, "For you are holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth." The Lord did not set His love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep his oath, which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. R stands for and I was having a hard time, so I thought some dumb word up. It's not dumb. It exists, I hope. Reverberations. I know it exists. <laughs> I don't know if it fits here, but it, 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 it's a word. Reverberations that are felt in the heavens. Amen. Isn't that an awesome thought that anything that could happen here on earth would, would just be carried up toward the heavens and the glory would rise uh, to the Father God Wouldn't you like for that to take place in in this sin-sick, wrecked world that doesn't know Christ and is living without Him and the fruit of that is death? Wouldn't you like to be part of a movement? I don't want to be a monument. I don't want to be a museum. Come on, church. You don't want to say you don't want to just be a monument, right? You want to be a movement. You want to be a movement. You don't want to be, you want to be moving as led by the Holy Spirit. You want to be moving with purpose. You want to be moving with a message to a people. You want to be a people of prayer, a people who seeing others go to hell is not okay. Because what God has done for every person is so far greater than any of the false promises and the temporal rewards of sin. If you'd stand with me. Acts 10.4, we're talking about Cornelius and when he was lifting up the Lord as he did, he was a man of worship and giving. It says in verse 4, when he heard him, he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is this, Lord? And so he said to him, your prayers, your alms have come up for a memorial before God. What a fit, Memorial Day. God tells Cornelius that your prayers and your giving, your kindness, your charity, your benevolence, your faithfulness has risen before up into the presence of God as a sweet-smelling savor. Assuredly, 
Cornelius had caught, captured the attention of heaven by, the, what, by his faithful commitment to the Lord. I'm going to ask you this morning, how many of you want your, you want your, um, you want your life to in some way for the glory of God capture the attention of heaven? where it's being cheered on and exhorted by that great cloud of witnesses, right? You want them to get, you want to give them something to cheer for. I want my life to give heaven something to cheer for, something to be celebrated to the glory of the one who redeemed me and gave me life. I was nothing, am nothing apart from God, but I have been a, a, a clay vessel filled with the glory of God Almighty to do things that I could never do, to speak things that I could never speak, to be his hand extended in places where I could I could never reach. We want heaven to take note that, man, something's happening, and it's starting in the uh, Adams County, Carroll County area, York County area. Something down there is taking place. Something's happening here. Let's take a good look at this. And you, just if you could, you hear heaven cheering the advancement on. That the name of Jesus is advancing and that darkness is taking heavy losses. How many want to see hell take heavy losses? Now, Lord God, we want to see heaven gain at hell's expense. And Lord, as representatives of Christ, we're not ashamed. We're not afraid. We're not intimidated. We're not living in fear. Because, Lord God, we've got the best thing that any man could ever, any man or woman could ever come to know, and that is the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses uh, was quibbling with God, trying to disqualify himself. And then he asked, you know, by what authority he should go to Egypt. And God said to Moses in Exodus 3, says, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Come on, church. The world needs to know that Jesus Christ has sent you. You've been commissioned to go into all the world and to deliver this glorious, glorious, wonderful message of God's saving and keeping grace. That God can forgive. God can take away the weight of sin. He can take away the bondages that have have afflicted generations. If you're taking count, oh, hero, H-E-R-O, and then E. Each and every day, a hero steps forward. And you know, how many want to be that one who steps forward when, when others are going backwards? Come on, church. Just say, I'm going to step forward. As for me and my house, we are going to serve this Lord. You choose today whom you will serve, but for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. Church, that's the kind of commitment that's being called upon today. As for me and my house, you say you're worried about what the schools are teaching your kids, about the influences that are coming into your home. You determine that. You determine what it is that comes into your house. You make that determination. The devil can't steal anything that we don't leave the door open for him to take. As for me and my house, 
You know, don't, you know we, we get so distraught when we see how the way of things are going. But I want to tell you, the one thing that we need most of all is to know who we are for and who are we with. There may only be one house sitting up on that hill or one city sitting on that hill illuminating the darkness. But God wants you to be part of it. He wants you to be part of that light. And the last, the Bible says, Isaiah 6, 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then he said, here am I, send me. Let me be a representative, just as that high priest represented the people. What a, that gives me chills thinking about that, him stepping in to represent the 12 tribes of Israel when serving the Lord on their behalf, when bringing offerings on their behalf. He didn't live for himself. He didn't serve for himself. He served someone greater. Somewhere on some playing field or some battlefield, in some arena within the sea of humanity, heroes are rising up. Heroes are standing. Heroes are rising up. God's calling for those who aren't afraid to wear the reproach that others will tag you with, the lies that hell will stir up against you. You're not gonna. You're not gonna surrender to that. You're not gonna sit back. You know. You don't want to be called something and something and something because if you step out and you step strong for Jesus and in love and compassion and truth, you're gonna have a little opposition but greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Whether it's rising on the fresh legs of youth or the old legs of heroes restored, heroes will arise. And the yes, someday Jesus will reward heroes. We don't live for what you get here. But we too look forward to that day when the great master will say, well done good and faithful servant. There's no compensation in this world that really translates equitably to serving and living for Jesus Christ. But we don't live for that. We're living for something else. We're looking for a city whose building and maker is God. And the last thing of all is our spiritual identity rides on the shoulders of Christ's priesthood. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord, we're not, we're not, we're not subscribing to the lies of hell. We're not trying to peddle a hybrid gospel that it comprises some of the important elements of worldly philosophy and some of God's Word. Lord, we're not trying to integrate popular thought into the Scripture. We're trying to introduce the eternal Word of God into popular thought, into culture. We're not importing culture. We're not importing, Lord, what might be popular or acceptable to the world into our game plan. We are taking what is of God and we are sharing and introducing it into the fields regardless of what they look like or where they come from. Help us never to turn our backs on the ones that you have appointed us to reach. 
God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's not willing that anyone should die lost. Our Father in heaven, we pray here this morning over this house, the Lord God, that there's going to be a, a sense of purpose, identity and purpose that's going to just, Lord, be fanned into flame, a conscious awareness that we've only been given one life, just a little bit of time to live this thing, a little bit of time and opportunity to share Jesus, and we can't afford to squander it. Lord, it's not about propagating religion. It's about sharing the love of God through Jesus Christ with the world, Lord, that you love so much that you gave your son to die for it. We have no right to ever turn our backs on the ones for whom you died. To insulate ourselves into an us and no more mentality. That's not the church that Jesus carries the character of Christ. It's the church that loves within the house and loves freely outside of the house shares the love of Christ to the neighbors to the wayward sons and daughters and to those who are living in lives that are Lord just covered in reprehensible filth of hell and yet God wants the hand of grace to wash that off and to set them free and that's our ministry Lord is to represent you and to take your good news if there's anyone here today you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I'm not going to ask you to take 26 steps or 15 or 12 or 9. I'm going to say this, that the gospel, it, it, it makes it pretty clear. That if we acknowledge that we have sinned and we, Lord, just say, God, I, I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you love me so much that what you did on the cross of Calvary was an act of love done on my behalf. And your death, Lord God, was a death that I should have died because I was the guilt, I, I, I've been the guilty party. And yet, Lord God, you, 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 don't, you just want to lift all condemnation off of me by forgiving me of all my sins. Doesn't matter what I've done in the past, doesn't matter. I'm not, understand this, there are legal ramifications sometimes. There are physical consequences that take place at times that, you know, when, when, that, you know, you still may have to deal with those. But to know in your in the place where it's so important to you, so much more important to all of us, is to be freed, uh, to be cleansed internally, and to be made free inside. Because regardless of what we're facing out there, when we are changed internally and we are born anew and we realize that Christ has forgiven my sin, he holds it against me no more, that before that judgment seat of Christ, that great white throne judgment, I should say, I will have no such thing to defend because Jesus will be my advocate, my redeemer. I ask your forgiveness. I ask you to wash away all my sin. Wash it into that deep sea of forgetfulness, Lord, that you'll never remember it, never call upon it again to point an indictment against us, Lord. I receive forgiveness. I receive redemption. And I thank you today. I thank you today that you're taking all my sin away as I confess my sin. I renounce that life and I lay it down and I'm going to walk forward with you, Lord God, as my Savior and Lord. And the Holy Spirit comes and he 
takes residence in our hearts. The moment we are cleansed through the blood of Christ and we become a new creation, the old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And we enter into a relationship uh, that God wants us to grow into, grow in. We enter into a relationship with our Creator through Jesus Christ, a life different than anything we would ever know. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.